Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Backstee Future. Uh, so this week was a very, very busy week for me, both professionally and personally. A lot of appointments. Um, in hindsight, I talked about last week about how I went camping. In hindsight, I'm very glad I went camping because it gave me a chance to recharge, think about things, be more focused, and also just more importantly, just have enough energy to deal with this week. <laughs> I think without the camping trip, if I had just dived into this week, I would have been overwhelmed and super burnt out. And at the time too, like I remember thinking maybe camping is a bad idea because I knew this week coming is a, is a, is a busy one. Like it was almost like I packed up my bags and went camping knowing there's a storm coming, <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. If I hadn't gone camping, I would not have been able to put up with this week. So it was, it was incredibly busy week, professionally, personally, many different ways. Um, but, but there were these moments which were, which were really exciting. So uh, just just briefly, I want to talk about the Loki series. This is going to be a spoiler-free discussion, but the finale dropped last Wednesday, and it was awesome watching that series. I love Marvel. I love how everything connects, and I do think as a tech industry, we simply do not talk about how impressive Marvel is as an organization, the, their ability to execute and their ability to provide a, co a cohesive, consistent experience. And we're talking about decades worth of movies and shows. Um, you know, you'll have stuff coming out today, which connects back to stuff they released in 2008. I think their ability to execute on a long-term vision is honestly better than most tech companies. <laughs> I think it's exemplary. You know, there should be business and media and tech case studies around how Marvel runs. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> I don't want to muck up the Marvel discussion with uh, normal tech kinds of views on things and tech intensity. But anyways, it was just incredible six episodes. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't want to talk too much about the ending, but it ended in a really delightful way. And of course, I'm excited to see what else Marvel comes up with next, how it all connects, what this decade of Marvel is going to be like. Um, and one other just side note I've noticed is a lot of these shows now are using virtual production sets. Uh, I'll leave it to you to look up on Google Images what a virtual production set is. But it's basically like instead of a green screen, um, you use a, a big, I believe it's an LED screen behind you. Like it's almost like multiple TVs. And there's all these benefits, and I believe they, they use Unreal Engine to have the footage and control it because what happens is as the camera moves, the footage in the on the TV showing in the background also moves proportionally like with all the 3D perspective and stuff in mind. Um, and anyway, so this is the next generation of film tools. Uh, it's, in my opinion, has many advantages over green screen. But I just wanted to say that, that I have noticed this phenomenon where TV shows like Loki uh, and uh, I can't remember if WandaVision used it or not, maybe, but definitely The Mandalorian used it, which is also a Disney Plus series. I've definitely noticed these shows because they use Unreal Engine and virtual production sets, they're starting to look a lot like video games, um, which is funny, right? Because uh, in the past, we would, watch, we would play a video game and be like, wow, some of it at, at times it looks like a movie, <laughs> right? 
And now the shows and stuff are starting to look like video games, which has its pluses and minuses. Uh, I definitely think they're able to do a lot more with a virtual production set and save money and time in all these ways. Loki, WandaVision, and Captain America and the Winter Soldier are as good as sci-fi TV can get. And certainly one thing that I find is for a long time, sci-fi-based TV has suffered from almost like this corniness. Like there was definitely something about the special effects, which always bothered me compared to the special effects of the movie, where it, it just looked far more realistic in the movie as compared to uh, on the TV show. I, I don't know, because of budget and stuff like that, right? But with Loki and Captain America and WandaVision, um, it, it was incredible. There was none of that corniness. I think this is peak sci-fi TV. And I think they've they've you know created something new that we've just never seen before. And suddenly they've opened this wormhole. It might be completely possible for more people to make very high, quali- high quality sci-fi TV, uh, which I don't think has been done well before in the past, besides maybe Black Mirror, like even without a big budget. And I'm curious to see what else people are going to create now with virtual production sets in the sci-fi category. I feel like sci-fi for a long time has been stuck in like, you basically need like a movie blockbuster budget in order to make anything meaningful. So I'm excited to see what's possible now. Um, and so anyways, Loki was incredible. And by the way, there is something about it. Like I, I am enjoying the intimacy of Loki as a TV show as compared to either one movie or two movies. I liked that there was less of that blockbusterness that you need uh, for most movies. Uh, it felt very intimate. It had these very charming original moments. I love Marvel so much that if you told me there's going to be a Marvel, Marvel movie or show that you can watch every day and it would be as good as the stuff I've watched in the past, I think I would just keep watching it. I think I would just be like endlessly consuming Marvel. <laughs> and then it's a whole routine, right? Like, it's not like I just watch the show every Wednesday. I literally will watch the show. Then I got to watch all the YouTube videos, analyzing it, breaking it down, talking about all the Easter eggs and, and shout outs and the connections between the current stuff in the past or the current stuff in the comics or the current stuff and where it could go in the future. So I'll watch like new rock stars. I watch heavy spoilers. I'll watch screen crush. I'll watch as many of those videos as I can. <laughs> And then I'll even check Reddit and and see like all the memes and commentary for so like I was on r slash Loki TV, which is the subreddit just for the Loki show. Um, and I just love reading the commentary, how others are finding it. And uh, anyways, like all the Marvel stuff has been a real joy. I always look forward to all the different stuff going on. And this series was incredible. I think all three of the series so far, WandaVision, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, all the stuff that was released this year, I definitely think uh, it was really enjoyable. Altogether, it was really enjoyable. All three brought different things to the table. WandaVision was just intense. Like, it was like a, almost like a psychological thriller slash mystery. Um, there was so much going on. Captain America and the Winter Soldier raised really important questions. It had these epic moments. I, I definitely loved the the bro bromance going on there as well. And then I felt like Loki was just a very exemplary Marvel show in the way like it's humor and it's storyline character development. And also it's just, it's just general fun. And, and like it wasn't as tense and much of a mystery as WandaVision where you're going insane. 
Um, but it was like, it was like that was like a dialed down version, which was just as enjoyable. So anyways, great week. Loki was definitely the highlight of the week. And it also, you know, these things do provide some joy for you while you're just so busy all around. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> welcome back to, uh, multimodal. This is the podcast where I'm supposed to talk about multimodal AI models like Dali, uh, so I thought uh, I thought I'd just briefly chat about two things this week. So I'm just I'm seeing a lot of activity around VQ, GAN, and Clip. Uh, I saw so much activity that I thought I, I should I should probably put out a video uh, talking about how crazy Twitter, or at least my Twitter, is booming with people using it. Um, I in the video I released, it's I, I don't remember what it's called, but it's on VQ, GAN, and Clip. You can check it out YouTube.com/slash/bakztfuture. Um, I show you the article that was written about it, which is, you know, sort of pointing out this mainstream um, tipping point for VQ, GAN, and Clip, and multimodal AI art in general. And then I even share, like, what Twitter account to follow and how to find the notebook and create it yourself. Hopefully that walkthrough is, is good for you. Um, and I'm just seeing so much just cool art. So if you don't know, people are entering text, literally pushing a button, and VQGAN slash clip is generating an image for them based on that description. And the Twitter accounts I'm seeing, I believe like images underscore AI, um, they've even simplified it even further. Like I believe you can even tweet at them a description of a photo that you want made and they'll get back to you eventually with the actual photo from VQGAN and clip to show you what it came up with. Um, and I, I, I do think there is something about uh, multimodal stuff because it's so usable and easy and fun um i think it has a certain built-in virality to it like just the fact that i can enter a description um of anything you know a chair an armchair in the shape of an avocado and i just can push a button and it will make that image for me like you can be any age any background whatever and do it, like try it. And and then you you obviously, once you try it once, you wanna keep trying it. You wanna do it a few more times and see what happens. You wanna do it next week. Sometimes you might think of an idea. Um, in, in the video I dropped, I talked about uh, Vova, who's a friend of mine on Twitter. And uh, you know he was dealing with some code problem. And then he, he basically put in a description to have AI generate an image, uh, which sort of helped him express the sort of struggle he was going through, right? Um, and so I, it definitely has been really exciting and I wanted to tip even further, to be honest, <laughs> right? Like, you know, every one of these tweets that these, uh, multimodal AI image generators, every one of these images that it generates for people who don't, who haven't themselves hit up the notebook or anything is another additional five or 10 people they could potentially bring on, Right. And uh, as the technology gets better, I think it will only get more viral. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're just a few years away from people casually doing this kind of stuff from the from their phone. And I'm, I'm by people, I don't mean like super hyper nerds like me, <laughs> you know, who hang out, hang around on Discord and, you know, all the specific subreddits and on specific Twitter accounts. I, I just mean like um, maybe not necessarily your mom and dad. I think they, they may be a, a couple years from that. But I mean like. Like a, like a typical like frat bro or like just somebody you work with who's like not necessarily like 
in the technical know-how kind of stuff. Like I, like you know, I think we're a few years from them just punching it in themselves from their phone and and generating and, and cross-sharing. Uh, I can definitely envision some kind of uh, plugin for Google Hangouts or like you know like Discord or Slack where you know you can just type in something and a multimodal AI generator will generate that image and you can share it in the group chat like like in WhatsApp or or Signal or Telegram sorry there's there's so many chat apps nowadays i can't even keep track and you know i'm an old man now so <laughs> like whatever the kids are using nowadays that's popping uh i get so anyways like i could just see something like that where you can like instead of putting in an emoji you might be able to generate like an exact image uh, to express how you feel or to make people laugh or whatever, just by entering simple text and the, it would just generate it and you could put it in the car, in the conversation and have that sort of very personal moment where you, you know, you put in a little bit of more effort than just putting in a GIF or looking up an emoji and pasting it in. So anyways, uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, if this, you know, kind of stuff sounds interesting, you want to try it, check out my latest video. Again, it's youtube.com slash B-A-K-Z-T future. I also want to talk about uh, OpenAI's fine-tuning API very briefly. They announced that last week. And again, I've been so busy, I have not even had a chance to try it. I want to try it so bad. And look, this is not uh, a typical endpoint. Keep in mind, I still have to try it. But this is different from the previous stuff that OpenAI has released. Look, props to them, question and answers, awesome API endpoint, search, very exciting API endpoint. But fine-tuning... Uh, I think is 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 probably the most critical announcement they've they've announced since GPT three itself, and the reason that I say that is GPT three is awesome. There's all these use cases, but it's well known that it can be very unreliable in all these different ways. So, for example, it might just rant and keep ranting about things sometimes that have nothing to do with what you asked, right? Other times it may even, you know, you might tell it to pretend you're a celebrity and then it will just decide to change its role to another celebrity or something else, right? It may say something offensive or it may behave in inaccurate ways. Like, you know, for, for example, I, I released one of my earlier videos was on getting GPT-3 to tokenize text, right? Um, uh, if tokenization tokenizing text is not mission critical but it is really important to have a you know a, a consistent predictable accurate tokenization process right otherwise you should just use nltk or spacey or any of the libraries that only do that right um and so like you know sometimes it would just be inconsistent in how it tokenizes it and um so so fine-tuning so fine-tuning to give you uh, a very clear description of what it is like Right now, when you use GPT-3, the best you can do is give it two or three training examples in your prompt, right? And you hope and pray that from these two or three examples, it will be more consistent as a result. It will behave in more reliable ways. And in many use cases, I would say it, it does fine. Like certainly generating copy, I don't think you have that many scenarios where it goes off the rails, right? For other things like I'm talking about, like tokenization and all these things, those two or three examples is not enough. And often you may not even be able to give two or three examples. You might only be able to give one because there's character limitations with GPT-3 as well, right? So the input and the output that you give it total has to be less than 2,048 characters. And so anyways, 
with fine tuning, the excitement is you're not giving it, you're not just giving it examples, you're giving it examples that it will be trained on. So you're actually changing the model and affecting the weights of the model. And of course you can give it far, far more examples, right? What's acceptable, what's unacceptable? Scenarios were going off the rails, you're clearly telling it, don't go off the rails. You can have examples where it does not say anything offensive or explicit and you know, it will then the models will be adjusted to avoid doing that, the, the model weights, excuse me, it'll be adjusted so you could do that. Um, and so the excitement is, you know, on one hand, yes, GPT-3, we should scale it up, we should get to GPT-4, that's really exciting. But on the other hand, I think what's just as meaningful is horizontal advancement when it comes to reliability. Right. So if we can make GPT-3, like Sam Altman was saying in the, in the, in that podcast, I, I spent a while talking about last episode. If we can make GPT-3 like a million times more reliable, right? Uh, that alone is a, is a, is a huge form of advancement, right? Because now we already know it can do all these things. And now we know not only will it be able to do these things, but it'll be able to do them reliably, predictably. Um, and the, the most exciting thing, and maybe I should have started with this. <laughs> Is, is there's there's now commercial potential, right? So now you can reliably integrate GPT-3 uh, into your business in all these different ways on the website and the on the back side, like on the in the front end, back end, customer support, sales. You could even for all these you know internal tools and processes, you could even have it make decisions, knowing that it's reliably making those decisions, right? You could have it make judgment on on specific you know, user scenarios and analytics decisions, you could incorporate it in decision-making. And so all I'm saying is, yes, GPT-4, very exciting, we should push for it, but also making our existing GPT-3 far more reliable is in itself a, a huge form of advancement um, and will only lead to more GPT-3 being used more often everywhere. And I think, you know, you guys are listening to this podcast, if fine tuning is exactly how I'm imagining it could be, if it's as good, if it does genuinely make GPT-3 more reliable, listen, I think a lot of the floodgate, floodgates commercially are open now, right? So like, if you want to make money, if you want to make money from GPT-3, you might have had a use case where it could do it. It was really awesome, but it could only do it maybe one or tw- one or two times out of 10. And so you couldn't go sell it to a business. Now you may be able to do that. You may be able to get it to act accordingly um, and sell that to a business. And often, let me be clear here, most businesses and big companies and even individuals, they still don't know what GPT-3 is. They have not heard of it. You and I know about it. We're insiders, but they don't. And so this is a tremendous opportunity because GPT-3 is so powerful. The things it can do are the things that most people think is like 10 years away for AI. It, it can do those things today. So there's a huge delta here between what society thinks is possible, what actually is possible. And so what I'm saying is with fine tuning, it, it's a huge opportunity to actually capitalize on what's now possible today and start selling stuff to businesses and making money. Uh, I have personally been waiting for, for the fine-tuning API to come out for months now uh, because I just I, I think it's, it's really exciting that maybe there's these money-making opportunities, there's these commercial opportunities, and there's these there's just it's a, an opportunity to get GPT-3 in the hands of businesses and transform it from just a cool language model, hobby kind of thing to an actual critical, essential 
commercial, I almost think it's a commercial utility at its best case scenario, something which is far more reliable, scaled up maybe GPT-4, GPT-5. I think it will, it's almost like cloud hosting. I think it will be that critical and that essential. So anyway, so uh, altogether, those are the those are the three things I wanted to chat about today. So Loki was awesome. I encourage you to watch my video on VQ Glan and Clip. Uh, go ahead and generate something and, and tweet it to me at B A K Z T Future, and I will retweet it if it's if it's impressive art only. <laughs> but also, you know, if it's just something cool that you're really excited, I'll probably retweet it as well. I'm just kidding. Um, and finally, fine tuning API. I encourage you to play around with it. I don't know when I'll get a chance to play around with it. I've been so busy, but you're welcome to tweet at me and let me know. You're welcome to put it in the comments below. How are you finding fine tuning API? What you're exciting, what you're excited to do with it. Um, and if you're having commercial success through fine tuning, I'd love to hear about that too. I'm sure everyone in this audience could, could learn from your example. Um, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You know uh, that uh, this podcast is everywhere. It's on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google, Google Podcasts, iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, it's available. You know about my awesome newsletter, bakztfuture.substack.com. You know about my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bakztfuture. Um, and uh, you're, welcome to, you're welcome to hit me up on Twitter at bakztfuture and just say hello. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good day, night, evening, wherever you are. Hope it's awesome. Bye.